All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Coming in hot is presented by Botano. The game starts now. Here are your hosts, Brent Wallace, Jason York, and Bobby Ryan. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Coming In Hot. Brent Wallace alongside Sean Simpson, my good friend. Uh, uh, Yorkie and Bobby have the day off, but uh, I don't have time for them today anyway. I need to get to the bottom of this, Simmer. How are you, my yeah. friend? I'm excellent, Wally, and uh, I know you reached out to me when I first got sacked and uh, really wasn't feeling like doing a whole lot of media. Yeah. So five months later, I'm super pumped to hop on with you, and uh, obviously for lots of different reasons, uh, plenty to talk about. <laughs> well, so I made this whole show all kinds of stuff to chat about. None of it matters. I ripped it all up. <laughs> I, so, I was supposed to be kind of a meeting of the minds and yeah. two men that had walked in each other, the same shoes and a, a little bit of therapy, <laughs> a little bit of a yeah. reach out for anybody there over 50 that's lost their job. But hey, uh, other bigger things got in the way today. Yeah. So uh, before we get to all that, I just, how are yeah. you doing? I know you got your podcast coming up. Uh, yeah. Is it Monday? Uh, it is going to start Monday. Uh, you know, I'm good. I'm good, Wally. But certainly, hey, it's been five months. Uh, first, probably two or three months, not so great. Um, made some kind of adjustments lifestyle-wise. A couple of things for myself. Certainly fortunate with mirror and kind of my back that I have right now. Where uh, I've also gone through this a couple times in my life. Of course, you know, when I left Washington, a little different. But certainly, when I went, left the Leafs, I went through a divorce and pretty much on my own. And it was a real dark period of my life. So I had a little bit of the toolbox to kind of navigate. And this was also unique, Wally. And the part I always go through. I understood getting fired by the Caps and I understood getting sacked by the Leafs. Not quite so in the KHL, but in this case, I was so happy with what I was doing. I loved what I was doing. I had a great work environment and I personally, and I'm not afraid to say it, 
felt like I was doing the best work of my life and then to be let go. But you understand. So that's the logic. And I'm sure you're the same. If you grew up in sports, you're usually uh, applauded. You're usually, you know, pushed up when you do good things. But we understand and no fault, not mad at anybody. But that took a long time for my brain to get around that. And here I am now ready to rock and roll. It, yeah, I'll admit, like a lot of tough days after. Oh, yeah. Trying to, you yeah. just try to reconcile it, right? So, yeah. Uh, um, speaking of reconciling, let's yeah. get to the sense. Yeah. Uh, so, we're waiting 3.15, so another 12 minutes. The press conference is supposed to happen. It's expected. I know it's been Ellie Friedman and stuff have tweeted it. I've yeah. heard the same. The Pierre yeah. Dorian is going to be relieved of his duties after uh, yeah. seven and a half years. Yeah. Do we start until we see that? Do we go back to the Dadnoff thing and the news that came out today that they yeah. did uh, lose the first round pick, which they will have to forfeit in either 2024, 2025, yeah. or 2026? Yeah. I think they have yeah. 30 days at the end of the season to decide. Yeah. We like we've we've known about this for a bit of how this has all played out. I'm not shocked. Yeah. Are you shocked at the first round pick? I, I don't know if shocked is the word, Wally, because I don't know how to compare it to things. I don't know how the league comes up with this stuff. Now, here's all I'll say. Again, the Ottawa Centers, and we'll get into great detail because I covered this 18 months ago at the trade deadline and had incredible insight. And I'm not afraid to mention names from the Vegas side, but people try to draw parallels with other circumstances. I do look at the Chicago circumstance and kind of wonder, yeah, why wasn't there a loss of a draft pick? But just leave that alone. That that's not that's not what Ottawa did. It's not blaming the league. But I also go back to a loss of a first round pick for the for the um for the Yokes end up using, you know, some testing before that. And you say to yourself, okay, I understand where you'd be upset, but don't get involved in other things that involve, you know, uh, uh, clubs between New Jersey and St. Louis way back the Kovalchuk situation. So when it first came out, I was interested because I had incredible knowledge of it 18 months ago, Wally, but coming up with what the penalty would end up being, I really had no idea. I did think the first round pick was a bit of a reach at that point. And I also wondered, because it's between two clubs, was that first round pick going to go back to Vegas? Well, no, it's not. It's actually just going to be forfeited. But it's certainly a very stiff penalty. But it really does, when it boils down, we'll get more in depth to it, quite simply speak to you know the level of dishonesty that happened from the Ottawa side. And that was, that was going to be my point. Clearly... They had all the info. If they're going to impose on this organization a first-round pick with a new owner coming in, because remember, in New Jersey, the new owner came in, they reduced it, I think, in half of what the penalty was going to be, $3 million. They dropped it to a million and a half. And I think the the draft pick went down to a second-round pick. Yeah, yeah. So they clearly had all the info and all of the facts. Yeah. So that tells me that there was complete dishonesty on the yeah. Ottawa side of things. Yeah, and, and again, and this is very, very careful, and I'm not as careful right now um, because I really don't care from that standpoint. I'm not working for TSN. I'm not a partner. Mm. But when this mm. first came out, Wally, at the trade deadline, I put out, because I understand, if you go back circumstance-wise, a couple of things that have happened in the past. Lou Lamorell at one point had messed up his uh, qualifying offers on Madden and Rafalski. They turned around and made a decision at that point. Uh, Lou Lamorello went to Bill Zito and got them re-signed. That's like a big deal in the league. Dale Talon was blamed for it in Chicago. He lost his job. Stan Bowman took over. My point being is when this happened, people are like, well, you know what? Was it just a clerical error? Did somebody make a mistake? And I put out, boy, oh boy, somebody in Vegas is in real trouble. And I'm not afraid to say it now. And I know he thought it was in confidence at the time, but I actually tweeted out. I got a call from Kelly McCrimmon. Kelly McCrimmon called me and said, listen, just want to give you some background here on what went down. And I'm like, okay, I'm listening. 
because I thought it was very serious and haven't worked in the league. And he said, Liz, we had a trade call. First of all, went through the entire thing and they went through and asked Ottawa, is there a 10 team trade list? And the answer from Ottawa's side was no. What I was told only from the Vegas side at the time and is very key here is Pierre Dorian took the call by himself. A yes. contract like that with Peter McTavish as assistant general manager was probably not only negotiated by him, but he was probably the person that confirmed with the agent they had resubmitted the list. So this is where, are you trying to pull a fast one on $11 million left in a contract? And I'm just guessing, you're thinking, why is anybody interested in Dadanov? And then you're also saying to yourself, Wally, well, 66% chance if they try to trade him, they'll trade him to one of the teams that aren't on the list or they don't <laughs> trade him at all. But this idea that this is a clerical error or somebody, and, and you can talk about the list itself and where it should be filed and you get into arguments, but this is flat and flat out lying. I mean, it's as simple as that. And the pedally reflects that as somebody losing their job. So don't get lost in the facts of the clerical errors. Try to blame Vegas or anybody else. And as to why this took so long, I have no idea. Uh, you know, it is a bit surprising, but let's also agree that I don't think Peter, Peter McTavish left on the best terms. I don't think Peter Pierre Maguire left on the best, best terms. And I don't think Mr. Mann did. And did that reflect in any of this with the National Hockey League? I have no idea. I think it's safe to say it's confirmed they didn't leave on the best of terms. Oh, God, yeah. Well, <laughs> McGuire, McGuire was fired, and a guy like Peter McTavish, and I do wonder, based on the timeline, because his previous summer that, you know, again, he would have negotiated the, the, the deal two years ago, but that trade deadline, if he saw something funky went down, he basically disappeared in the middle of the night and said, you know what, I'm going to go back to being a player agent. Here's a guy with a law degree. That yeah. is the kind of piece of facts together would point to the fact of, hey, I don't like what's going down here. You can disagree with hockey situations. You can disagree with what's going on behind the scenes, Wally. One thing I don't think any of us want to do is, in any professional industry is work with a liar. And, correct. And so I just want to make it clear, just in case people seem, they, they hear you say Peter McTavish left in the middle of the night thinking perhaps he did something wrong. No the reality is no, he left no. because of what was transpiring. And well, it, I, I don't even I don't even know that. I, I also right. just speculation on my side. I kind of got the sense that, you know, the whole camps of Maguire versus Dorian and how oh McTavish aligned and how the man brothers. And I also understand from Pierre Dorian's side how that would have been handled. But yeah, as you look back, it's certainly not common procedure for something like that to happen. The way that the man brothers were treated. Uh, the way that there was other people at Pierre Maguire, for instance, like if I'm not mistaken, I don't know how many days I know you tweeted the day he was fired. I don't know how many days that was after the passing of Eugene Melnick. Was that a couple of months? It couldn't have been. Uh, you know it what? Was, as far as Pierre like Maguire. Days. Yes. Well, Pierre Maguire was fired the day after Belleville lost in the playoffs. That, that was basically the last thing. The second that they lost to Rochester, he marched down and let him go. And as far as Eugene Melnick, you know, I have that whole story too. Uh, Pierre Maguire had called me and said, listen, I contacted Ottawa. Pierre Dorian said, there's not a job. I said, listen, call John Shannon, get a hold of Pierre, uh, Eugene Melnick yourself. And I don't, I haven't confirmed this with Pierre Maguire, but a few days later he had a job with the Ottawa Senators. And obviously understand when you're hired that way by the owner, that's not going to go over well. I, I don't even fault Pierre Dorian in that part. Uh, that's not the way a normal organization works, as no. you know, Wally. So it just adds to all the, the chaos that's gone on here in Ottawa but, for a number of years. And, and that's that's the problem, Simmer. Everybody like sees just the chaos that always ensues around Ottawa. Shane Pinto... I don't believe is anything to do with Pierre Dorian. Like I, I, you can't blame Pierre Dorian for this. No, but there's just, no. it continues to always be some kind of drama in Ottawa. Yeah. And so when the owners came in and took over, they believed 
that we they had settled the drama and that they were like this was right they were doing all the right moves they're bringing in all yeah. the right people yeah. including yeah. right up to matt nichols yesterday or matt nickel and suddenly yeah like i was told like what a week it's been like they're exhausted yeah. Yeah, you know what, and I do believe, and I know JRs use this term that shit travels downhill. I do believe there was a long time in the Ottawa organization where you don't fault any particular case, but I'll use the analogy more of the NFL, NBA kind of college football. You have programs that kind of ride a fine line, that get into serious trouble, that are also very good. But at the same time, the people at the top are in charge and some of the standards you set. But I certainly don't look at this situation. In the case of Shane Pinto, like I said, it's rare. And you also look at situations around the National Hockey League or any sport. You have athletes that get into trouble, domestic violence, gambling, other things. You can only control so much. And I remember my old boss, David Poyle, telling me, listen, when you get into NHL management, whatever you do, you've got to leave one hour of your day for quality control. There's always going to be one problem that comes up. And he was the best manager of people. And part of that is actually doing your job. You know, part of what had gone on here for Ottawa for years, back to the Eric Carlson days, there really was no accountability. You know, and I'm not talking about fault. I'm just talking about from owner to president to general manager all the way down of making people accountable and, and proud versus just letting the players go off and do whatever they want, including that stupid Uber video. Well, the, and yes, and part of the problem was there was no president really. So Pierre had carte blanche to do as he wished. Yeah. There was yeah, no and, checks and balances. No, no, exactly. And, and, you know, this is created with Eric Carlson, like any young player. Same thing with Jack Eichel. Look at the difference of him now. Now he's a more mature person. He goes into Vegas. There's no standard like that. Well, when he went in Buffalo, best friends with the owner. You know, he does whatever he wants, doesn't answer to anybody. It's mass chaos for years. And we saw a lot of that. And you saw it first town here in Ottawa. When, and I'm not faulting anybody. If I'm a multi-million dollar athlete and there's no accountability, I'm going to do whatever I want. So we are uh, minutes away from uh, the press conference, which is expected to announce that Pierre Dorian has been relieved of his duties as general manager of the Ottawa Senators, seven and a half years at the helm. The uh, Ottawa Senators in that time have had one playoff appearance. That was the first year he took over the, for mm -hmm. the infamous, I got the infamous, the famous run they had to the Eastern conference yeah. final. I uh, haven't made the playoffs since, and they currently sit, after six or seven years under his tutelage at 29th overall in the league at a 467 clip or something. And yeah. it, the problem I had, one of them with Pierre, there, there's he did a lot of things that I don't really like. But one day in the stands, he, like the team is struggling. The team is yeah. mired. And he came down the stands. He was like, what 29th place team has more fun than we do? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what we're running here. That's what yeah. you like. I get you want to have fun and environment, but you're here to win hockey games and the players aren't yeah. having a lot of fun because they're 29. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that was one of the things that really, really just I've never forgotten it. Uh, and that's always kind of been the edict around there of. Yeah. Ah, whatever. Yeah. No. And again, also, it's funny going back 1985, I got drafted in the Ontario Hockey League at that time for the National Hockey League. Pierre Dorian Sr. Uh, was ahead of Central Scouting, actually rated me for the draft. He's a Gloucester guy. I knew him early on when Pierre got into the business. I got to know him, hung out with him and Tim Murray, slammed back a thousand beers, had great times with them. Pierre Dorian's a good hockey man. His dad was a great guy. There's lots there, quite simply, at the end of the day. And I'll say this for anybody, and I kind of liken it to working in the KHL. The gentleman I worked for basically worked under Lukashenko. His two jobs were running the hockey program and getting rid of people that were against Lukashenko. So I understand working for tough bosses. What Pierre Dorian inherited when he had Brian Murray as a buffer and what Brian did with Eugene Melnick 
You understand that, Wally, how difficult that situation is. But Pierre Dorian has never looked comfortable in the job. And this idea, I spent hundreds of hours with him. He has never looked comfortable in a presser. The more he tries to look relaxed and people would use, well, you know what? Maybe it's because the language that English is his second language. No, he was just way in over his head. And to be competent, as you said, to have the respect of others around you, it's like running any company. You are the manager of people. And quite simply, he was put into a spot and probably not supported well enough. I certainly would defend that because I don't mm -hmm. care any a young executive coming in. It's tough. I said this with John Ferguson Jr. and I admired the way he handled it. Coming into you work for Eugene Melnick as your first job is not an easy situation to come into. No. And there were a few that wanted to do it. I And I'm sure you were aware of this. The league tried to find a director of or sorry, a president of hockey ops for a couple yeah. of years. Yeah. Oh, they went yeah. after yeah. anybody they could and everybody kept turning yeah. it down because they didn't oh, want to yeah. come in here. No, and why so, would you? Yeah. yeah. Well, that, right. Like that was the problem. And, oh, and so yeah. for Pierre, I think Pierre took on a lot of the Eugene Melnick type where he wanted a yeah. small circle because he didn't trust people. And yeah. he wanted to make sure there was the kind of, he put the, he put fear into you. And I think sure. he, I felt like he always tried to rule with fear. And it yeah. didn't work. Like there was a lot of good people that left that organization. Oh, that didn't God, have yeah. to leave. Didn't, yeah. It, and the, it didn't and, have to and really, if you want to line up Eugene Melnick's, and I've talked to some people about this very close to it, he's a bit of a Donald Trump. And one of the things, if you go back historically with Trump and his casinos, he loves people inner fighting. And one of the things in dropping in Pierre Maguire was he back, basically loved that, which were, is so contradictory to what you want to try to do when running a hockey team. And you're right. Like, why would anybody come in and from Pierre's side? And I, I do always go back and I've referenced him so many times. The gold standard of, you know, best in class was Searle leader and, and Searle at least as a buffer and to have somebody around from the original that was proud of the organization. Imagine dealing with Eugene Melnick and now imagine the quality of the presidents that are coming in. And my God, it, it just got to be, you know, it was a running joke. You meet these people for about 10 minutes, Wally, and I'd just be talking to JR or Ian or somebody else and just laughing. I'm like, come on, man, this is going to be the president of a National Hockey League team. It really did get. And, but that's what you attract at the end of the day. It, it got out of control is what it felt oh, like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just felt like something else was going to happen. You had, you're like, yeah. come on, this can't be happening. Yeah. Um, and as you know, are... too, the players the players know, right? You know, I mean, you're, you were close. You were closer to the team than anybody. I mean, you know, they, they say publicly what you want, but they know that it turned into a gong show. You know, they're just thankful that in the modern day sports that they're all getting paid and it's all guaranteed. Well, you know what? You say that there's not one player that's left Ottawa that I know of that I've spoken to that has had a good thing to say about Pierre Doran. Yeah. And yeah. I, so now before we, and I want to make this clear, losing your job sucks. So I'm not here celebrating nope. anybody losing their job. I want to make this no. very clear. Yeah, but what yeah. I think this is, is a good change for this organization moving forward. That's and all you couldn't I'm have said it, Yeah, you couldn't have said it better, Wally. Uh, I do, in this particular case, have a known Pierre Dorian for a long time, have a little different feeling, but, hey, I've been fired four times now in my life. It's no fun. Don't wish anybody to go through something like that. But at the same time, and I was on with some guys yesterday, quite simply, when you take over an organization, you say you want to be best in class, first thing you say to yourself, where Otto is at right now, do I have a manager in place that can win a Stanley Cup? Not a chance to do with Pierre Dorian. Do I have a, a coach in place that can win a Stanley Cup? My opinion. Opinion, Sean Simpson, Ottawa, Canada, not a chance to do to DJ Smith. So you make the changes as to whether this is forced it. I guess it did. 
But man, oh man, you look at this and you understand what's going on. There was no chance based on managing of people, but just as important, the hockey moves that have been made while in your point as well. Yeah, there was not any respect there. And you have to have that when you're managing people. You have to have a Brian Murray. You have to have somebody come in that the players respect and look at and understand that, hey, there are going to be some checks and balances with an organization. There was a player that on his exit interview um, thought he was getting traded during the year. Didn't happen. Yeah. He's on his exit interview. Typical, like Pierre would always just be very short. Like his was like to Craig Anderson, who had been there for 10 years. It was like 35 seconds, maybe a minute. Yeah. So to this one player, he did the same thing. Uh, and it was over Zoom, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And the player said, hold on a second. You are going to listen to what I have to say. Yeah. And proceeded to have a long, one-sided conversation about how upset they were with the way that they were treated by Pierre Dorian. Yeah. Well, and, and again, the circle thing. I mean, you know, J.G. Pajot, we're not going to trade you at the deadline because you're having a baby and you're going to be a... I'm sorry, uh, Borvietsky. First of all, yeah. he couldn't pronounce his name, and I'm not making fun, but you're <laughs> going to be a send for life. And then all of a sudden it disappeared. And then the other part, Wally, and, and talking to people in the NHL and agents, you know, the stuff that came back. And I remember one of the prominent agents saying to me, He's like, I can't believe that this guy's running an NHL team. Like, I can't. And I'm talking someone that's been in management, is actually now running a team and was an agent at the same time. The feedback that you end up getting in these circumstances were just like, come on. And like I said, when you have an ownership situation and a lack of awareness around the rest of the National Hockey League, you're also able to hide some of that. So uh, this is a negative time from a sense perspective and the loss of the pick. And like I said, not thrilled to see anybody lose their job, but big picture. This had to happen sooner or later. And at eight games in it at four and four, uh, to be quite honest, the Wally probably now this isn't going to affect things majorly on the ice right now, but it should have continued to affect some positive change and, you know, some checks and balances within the organization. Uh, Michael Andlauer has announced that Steve Steos will act as the interim general manager for now. Uh, and saying that the last 10 days have not been a lot of fun with two disturbing phone calls from the National Hockey League. So, yeah. and I agree with you, Simmer. I was told, though, that basically since Steve Steos has come in, now, one thing was, and Lauer wanted to make very clear, he wasn't going to make any quick moves or sudden changes, except yeah. to add to the department, right? To add Cyril Leader into Steve Steos. He was going to let Steve Steos make the decision. He was going to bring him yeah, in. for sure. And then Steos was allowed to decide how he wanted to proceed. I just think it got, and I don't think this was on the horizon this quick, but I think they they just they had no choice. This was an organ, this was a team, a group of owners that came in, all kinds of fanfare, and yeah. in the last ten days, I feel like they're right back into the chaos again. Yeah, and, and having nothing to do with them, Wally, but was also interesting because of all the hype and excitement. And you look at the previous yeah. summer, the summer of Pierre, it didn't end up delivering on the ice. But what was also, and this we never thought it would go this direction, there was that dark shadow hanging around because of the Pinto situation, right? Where it didn't feel completely where there should have been just an incredible love in. And as far as what you're going to do as an ownership group, I don't, I don't mind that approach. At what point you get to it, what you also have to do, and I learned this from working in the business, Hey, Steve Stas, I'm sure he's a great guy. He's worked one year in the National Hockey League. I'm also not pretending that he by himself is going to come in here and save the day. I'm assuming, and Peter Shirelli's name has been bounced around. People get all fired up. I like Peter a lot. I think he'd be a great hire. Um, They're going to have to bolster this. Now, the nice part is there's really nothing imminent to do as a manager. I mean, your team is pretty much set. Pinto doesn't have to be decided to until the new year. So, hey, how you look at this is kind of just keep it moving along. I'm sure they're continuing to reevaluate what's happened with the coaching staff. And then beyond that, yeah, there isn't a ton for the front office to do at this point. 
Uh, quickly, uh, technically, I guess you can change the wording, but Pierre Dorian has officially resigned uh, and not been fired. Yeah. Um, and what what's interesting with that, Wally, and depending on his contract, that's an interesting part you get into mm-hmm. uh, because the term of, and again, I let go by Bell, I was fired without cause. So obviously you're in a situation where fired with cause or resigning, depending what's left on your contract, that's certainly something interesting. If Pierre had a year left or a couple of years left, by definition means you're walking away from the contract. And I'll be quite honest with you as well. Uh, he's probably put him in a, himself in a spot here where uh, trying to land work within the National Hockey League itself will probably be a, a tough task going forward. Could you imagine? Hey, uh, why did you not uh, get? Uh, why are you not still with Ottawa? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, so, and, and trust trust is such a big factor in it, you know, and this has been swirling around now for 18 months. So, yeah, no, it really does become, you know, and I don't want to say just here in Canada. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a big deal. You just don't see these situations. And some people are like, oh, they are out, they're out, you know, out, out for what I guess I'd also ask Wally. Like, do you not think that the league would have let Ann Lauer know that this was in the pipe? The the Pinto one, okay, no. But the Dorian one, I, I thought for sure that this would have come up during the sale unless the board had it, held it from them, which I, I don't know, but I, I would have thought you'd be privy to this. So I, it's very interesting you say that. I did speak with someone who has uh, ties to the ownership group, and okay. they didn't seem to know that this was coming. Wow, wow, wow. So well, that's, uh, now, a, that's where I'd that, Michael Landlauer, I'm Sorry, Michael Landlauer may have known, possibly, yeah. but it was never relayed then down the to all the yeah. other owners. No, and it doesn't feel like it. And the idea or the thought this week that they were trying to go back and kind of bargain for a lesser penalty, that really surprises me. And I got to be honest with you, if you want to talk about people covering things up, why was this not given from the board of the Ottawa Senators to the future owners of, hey, this is what was coming down the pipe here. This is a big, big deal that you're losing a first round pick. When you go back to the draft in a Boucher, a seventh overall for Debrink and a 12th for Chikrin, now as you're starting to look at a squeeze in the salary cap situation, this is a really big deal for the organization. You know what, though, Simmer? Let's like it's been 30 days. Is it possible yeah. that this, because we've all known about this particular incident since it's happened, the trade? Yeah. In, yeah. Is it possible this just happened in the last couple of weeks? I, I don't know, Wally. Like I said, yeah. when people ask it, about timelines, I, I, I kind of go back to what's happening with the 2018 World Junior thing. I even go back to the Sens ownership. You know, things as far as how they work or how they come about, we don't really know until we hear about it. And I, I mean, in a sense of people are like, oh, this ownership thing is taking so long. Well, they usually do take a long time. We're just not talking about it, right? And the 2018 thing, well, that's a different circumstance, but you're right. And this is also from a testimony standpoint, you had McTavish leave. Would they have interviewed him about that? Absolutely. Pierre Maguire left. Would you interview him? Absolutely. The most recent to be let go would have been man. Did that factor in whatsoever on anything like that? I'm not sure. I don't know in this particular case, whether than, you know, just the wheels of justice in the National Hockey League take a long time. I don't have an answer for it other than I was pretty surprised when it came out. And, and I don't want to feel any justice or anything, but I just remember at that trade deadline, I was going to JR and I'm like, JR, I think this is a really big deal. You know, like that, this is like some serious stuff. And, and JR was great about it, but understanding that everyone was like, wow, no, it's not a big deal. This is Vegas's fault. And, you know, here you are a year and a half later, kind of like, yeah, maybe not. And, and I don't, like I said, nothing. I just meant that I remember the way the story was handled and just kind of swept off and people are laughing at Vegas on how foolish, well, they're not looking too foolish anymore. No. And Kelly McCrimmon uh, is a very nice man. I would not want to mess with him. 
No, and, and, and the whole, the, with George McPhee and certainly the ownership right. group there, and, and they were deemed at the time to look embarrassed. That that was the other part that took it another step. You know, and this is the part of when you made the trade, hey, at least if they had time to work themselves out of it, this was rated a trade deadline. Imagine if that was last year, Wally, when they were taking a run for a Stanley Cup there or they were trying to make the playoffs, but trying to take a run for a Stanley Cup and you realize a guy that you shifted out as they play with the salary cap all the time gets in the way of what you're doing. And also the fact at that time that the league forced the player to come back. Do you imagine what you would have felt like then if you were Vegas? So somewhat thankful it was a non-playoff year and an ability to regroup. Yeah. Uh, it was just the whole thing seems wild to me. Yeah. Uh, Steve Steo says uh, they are going to take a longer look at who's available as the new GM. So if you're expecting yeah. Peter Shirelli to walk through the door in a couple of days, you might have to wait. Um, yeah. So we shall see what's going to happen. I Listen, people are, are look, they see the last couple of years with Peter Shirelli, what happened in Edmonton and which was five years ago now. Oh, for sure. I don't think he, I, like, remember when he was in Ottawa simmer in, he was he interviewed for the Boston job. People didn't want him to go, right? They oh for they, sure. They for kept sure. him here. Yeah. Like they thought that yeah. he was going to be the next GM of the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. All that, like all I'm saying is I think Peter Shirelli gets a, a bad rap for a guy that's done a lot of good in the National Hockey League. So oh, I, I know I just, again, I, yeah. Like the Edmonton stuff to me is a little because of all the people that were over top of him, overseeing him all the yeah. time. Yeah. No, no, exactly. In every circumstance, Wally and God, knowing Peter, fortunately, from the days he started out with Larry Kelly, a very bright guy, very good hockey man, um, built some things in Boston, ended up winning a Stanley Cup. And you do. I speak from experience. You learn as you go along. And what was going on politically in Boston and Edmonton was not an easy circumstance. Now, did he make a lot of mistakes? Absolutely. Actually, his track record at the end in Boston and in, in Edmonton was not good but I know him and I know he's a smart person. I know he's an Ottawa guy. And I think he's coming into a whole different set of circumstance. He's had a chance to regroup uh, doing some consulting with St. Louis. And yeah, this is the way it works. You know, it's like Craig button, you know, he's on national TV and because he worked for the lease, you bring up his name or Dave pool and people get all fired up and you ask yourself, and this is like politics. They always want somebody that's never had any experience. Give me the guy that's, that's never done anything. So I can't get mad at him. Hey, these guys are really, really smart people. And I do think Peter, at the end of the day, will do a really good job if he ends up coming to Ottawa. Uh, interesting to note, uh, just reading some tweets as I go along. Uh, Haley Selvian sends Michael Andlauer, says he received a 73-page report that showed the hockey club was negligent in nature in regards yeah. to the Dadenoff trade. 73 yeah. pages, Simmer. No yeah. wonder it took so long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's hard to find a good typist these days or somebody put that together. But <laughs> like like I said, it, it just really does. And and like I say, and, and I understand for Sens fans, one, the league's not out to get you. Two, how long this ended up taking. This any idea that there was some fault on the Vegas side or people say this. And I, I'll, I'll bring this behind the scenes, Wally. The no trade stuff for back when contracts were done, when you'd make a trade call. You go to central registry. There used to be a lot of bonuses. There used to be a lot of things in contracts where you had to go through in detail now, since 2005, they're pretty standard. Here's the salary. Here's what's going on. There's not much bonuses. It's pretty clear. When it comes to the no trade, it's a little bit different, but at least in the way it's handled, it's talked about. And you, when you go through a circumstance like this, it wasn't people were like, well, why didn't Vegas call the agent? Well, if you're with a general, another general manager on a trade call and you say, listen, what about this 10-team no trade? And they tell you it doesn't exist. He didn't refile. I'm not on the horn with the agent right after. I'm no. just assuming that, hey, there's 32 jobs here. We all work and we're all honest with each other. We're all adults. It shouldn't happen. 
because obviously you wouldn't leave it till the trade deadline. So I guess in summary, Wally, trying to put blame on anybody else or any fault, this is 100% on the Ottawa Senators. In this particular case, 100% on Pierre Doran. Nobody else. Um, now, uh, by the way, uh, Tim Baines tweeting a quote from Michael Landlauer. I was not impressed with how this leaked out. I went back and forth with the NHL on the ruling. Ultimately, I came up with the decision. I sat down with Steve and suggested I might be considering a move. Um, I was told just today, going back to this dad nothing, because just trying to understand, maybe yeah. there's something I missed. Eugene Melnick, when he saw Dadnoff play, allegedly, said, that's it. I, I don't want him here. And they, Pierre did everything he could to try and make this trade. Oh, happen. yeah, yeah. Now, well, I, I, this I'll, is... I'll be honest with that first training camp. He obviously, I don't know if it was a metric conversion, but he obviously was a larger man than when he was in Florida. Uh, he just, while he came in out of shape, you know, he was just yeah. a fraction of what he was. What was more incredible to me, and this is where we celebrated Pierre, and I guess even with Matt Murray, I couldn't believe that anybody was interested in trading for him. I mean, that to me was a shocker at the time. And to go to your boss and say, because you remember the escalating salary, $5 million that following year and $6 million, to get $11 million off the books. And this might have spoke to, and I don't know why it would have been such a big deal with the 10 team, but Pierre Dorian must have felt like he had the fish, the you know, the old fish on the line there and was almost like, listen, I don't want anything to get in the way of getting this money off the books here. I'm going to take my chances. That's what it looks like to me, Wally, because you're probably like, my God, I can go to my owner in the middle of the summer and tell him that I've got $11 million off the books going forward of absolute dead money. Yeah. So, I, yeah, just I'm just frustrated in all, how all this played out. I, I Like, people have been saying, oh, look at Pierre, look at what he's doing. And I'm like, behind the scenes, it's absolute chaos. It's like the duck on the top of the water and underneath the feet are just going as fast as they can. And yeah. so um, it's been long overdue. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah. this might lead to uh, what Ann Lauer, I'm going to assume Ann Lauer did know because his quote is, I agree with the fans. Why? Are, this is a tweet. Um, why are we being penalized for something 18 months ago? There's no reason for us to be penalized. This is something you have to take up with the commission. Although I feel yeah. like that, I can't, maybe he did say commission. Um, yeah. Correction. He says he understands the due diligence, but it shouldn't have taken 18 months. Yeah. So yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. It's a little strange, Wally. And I don't know if this is from the Vegas side of continuing to bring this up, or like I said, one of the difficulties. And of all people, uh, there was a really interesting circumstance back in the day. Pierre Maguire, who worked for the Hartford Whalers ended up because he was fired. And I think it was when Jimmy Carman or when the Carmanos group came in, they ended up signing Stephen Rice as a free agent on an offer sheet from Edmonton. Uh, they ended up having a testimony with the National Hockey League and Pierre Maguire, who had been fired by Hartford, actually handed over a logbook of ratings for players from the Hartford Whalers, which actually benefited the Edmonton Oilers at the time and ended up benefiting Edmonton and getting, uh, you know, I don't know if it came down to tampering or, or actually probably just more compensation. But as you pointed out, like this could come where a witness, I'll go back to Lou Lamorello and the Scott Stevens situation. He chased down the St. Louis Blues for years and they finally uh, after they had some changes in ownership, changes in the president of the team who was guiding that, they had found a note from a secretary that pinpointed the actual smoking gun and the tampering. And you have to look at the, the time, de the, the deadline, but it was not right away. So how this came together, why it came together, only speculation from my side, but I think this is like justice. I, I don't think that there's exactly all of a sudden there's an expiration date on it. You know, if something comes forward and let's face facts here with the three employees we've mentioned leaving, 
they certainly didn't leave on the best of terms. And not that they're looking to hurt themselves, but if they're asked to testify, they're not going to be holding back, that's for sure. No, and I think all three of them are all people of integrity. Like, yeah, absolutely. they have no reason. I understand they'd be pissed, but they, would, they wouldn't lie to the league in order to see something else happen. I, that's, no, I and, 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 that. and there's no, and, and to the point while they like, you know, as far as being asked to testify, it's like going to court. Obviously, if you're still working for the Ottawa centers, are you going to change your story? I don't think you are. You understand the circumstances. This is basically like perjury. If you're deemed to have lied, even if you're employed by Ottawa, that's going to affect your future in the national hockey league going forward. So yeah, if you're asked to testify, all you're going to do at the end of the day is give the complete truth. But as I said, as to why the timeline and uh, you do feel bad for Ann Lauer in this case, but it is an opportunity to kind of start fresh. And I don't really in this particular case, and even with the Pinto situation, like I don't think it tarnishes any. I think it's just a realization that they have to get back to, as he said, best in class and in hiring the right people and doing the best you can. At the end of the day, you do that. And you understand these are young men. You can't, well, in this particular case, it's your general manager. But for the athletes, a hey, crap's going to happen. As you know, things are going to happen yep. along the way. But you do, you just do the best you can and you handle any circumstance and deal with it and support just like they're going to support Shane Pinto. I, I absolutely. I, there's just, there's so many bad stories of the way that stuff has happened. And that's, that's one of the things that uh, I just think that really bothers and, and has affected people that work there. That's yeah, the I agree. that's the problem. Yeah. Um, if you'll uh, bear with me for a moment, I need to pay some bills, uh, Simmer. Okay. So uh, you'll get used to this on your podcast. Um, <laughs> exactly. This show proudly presented by Botano. Go to botano.ca, download the app. Uh, all the uh, live betting is there. Plus, we will be back tomorrow with our uh, lock of the day for the LA Kings game. Um, also, Bet Builder, and I haven't checked, but I'm hoping that Ridley Gregg is back on the list for uh, Calder recognition. Hey, Simmer. Um, yeah. Also by, by BEI, Bonisher Excavating Inc. Uh, they are your heavy civil general contractors, equipment rentals, aggregate topsoil sales, uh, highway uh, construction, all the crushing and screening. And if you need them, uh, and if you're looking for a job, give them a shout, 613-432-1120 or go to BonisherExcavating.com. BEI, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Uh, so, okay. How do we move forward, Simmer? Um does this mean we now wait? Uh, by the way, there was a comment. Um, I believe it's from Steve Steos. It said he's very happy or the coaching change. There's not, he's not looking at a coaching change. Uh, happy yeah. with the coaching staff at the moment, yeah. uh, which again, can all be lip service as you're very, <laughs> as you very well yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, do we just kind of take a little breath here and then wait to see how this year plays out before anything oh, else I, happens? I, I th absolutely. And, and again, Wally, to be quite honest with you, I, I, Steve Stales being in the Ontario Hockey League might have a great relationship with DJ Smith. Uh, you also have the owner of the Oshawa Generals as a majority owner where they won a Memorial Cup. They might be thrilled with him. And then the other part, I'll quite simply ask, did DJ Smith g grow weary of all the crap with Dorian? You go back to a couple of years ago when they weren't getting paid their salary and couldn't return a phone call, you know, when all of a uh -huh. sudden there were cutbacks. So what even was the relationship? And I'll go back to the comment of, and this is where the owner threw the general manager under the bus this fall when he said, what do you want me to do with DJ Smith? Like he was basically just a sacrificial lamb. If you tell him it's the old thumbs, you know, it's this one here. What do you want me to do with DJ Smith? Hey, or this one, you know what I mean? I, like, like how, and when the, when the owner said that, if you're DJ Smith, that's what I am. I'm not like, listen, I love DJ as a coach. No, no. 
he's your coach. What are you doing asking me for that? That was so telling. So is this actually put DJ Smith in a more comfortable spot of, hey, Jack Capuano had uh, Steos as a, a coached him. Uh, you end up having DJ mm -hmm. Smith. Are they actually more relaxed? I do believe it'll be results oriented, uh, uh, Wally. But at the end of the day, is it a relief for them as well not to have to deal with Pierre Dorian on a daily basis? I, I couldn't agree more. And I and and so there are times right when even before that Pierre said, "Well, I've given my report to the owner." Well, it was very I, like it was very odd to me, Simmer. I've never really heard a GM go. Well, here's my assessment of what I think of the coach. I'll let yeah. somebody else decide. And I yeah, was like, yeah. well, he's under contract for two more years. Yeah. I would just like DJ's my coach going forward here. He he, yeah. he just wanted to push him away and go, well, if you don't want DJ, that's I, I agree with you. Or if you want DJ, yeah, exactly. then I'm okay too. Yeah. And, and it was also, and again, in hearing Pierre being interviewed, Pierre Dorian, and you know, the stuff he kind of gloated about last year of going through all the interviews with the new owners and this is where I got a lot of the inside info on the owners and, you know, the one group that had bowed out, I just said, well, what did you think of the interview? And it was just quite simply no comment. You know, I don't think that this was exactly like he was kind of rolling around like I'm, I'm the greatest thing ever. And I've interviewed with. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. These people and, you know, like I say, that sometimes you, you talk it away and they listen and you don't necessarily have an accurate assumption of where they were at. He did a lot of talking. That was for sure yeah. to the ownership group. Um, yeah. And not happy the day that I said that he told the staff and the players that he was coming back next year. Yeah. He, wa yeah. he wanted somebody fired for three yeah. days. Yeah. No, and it, it, it is funny eh? when you try to backtrack on stuff like that and then, you know, people confirm stories and then you try to pretend like it didn't happen. And unfortunately, as you say, with so many of the player exits and so many of the things that happened over the years. And the other part that I always just got mystified and it was delicate because I was working for TSN, but in talking to DeMello's agent and talking to other agents, there were never even offers made, you know, and this whole no. game that was played via obviously one local media person who always gave one side of the story. 
that's what it always became. There was just the send side of the story and it would just slide away and it's no big deal. You know, that was a comical part of like, okay, yeah, I've talked to these agents. They don't even have an offer. They never even talked. I mean, that's what happened with Borvietsky. You know, it was basically like we never got an offer. Same thing with DeMello. And, and it's, but the, to that point, Simmer, you weren't allowed to really challenge. Like, oh, if, no, 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 absolutely. No, no. And, and that's the part of you understand based on the ownership down. I, 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 I recognize that circumstance, Wally, that, yeah, I mean, that's just basically, and, you know, in, in only my first media experience and having worked in the NHL, you understood this isn't normal. That's the nice part that's happening now is people have an opportunity. This is what normal is supposed to be because basically, unfortunately, because of the financial situation and then the huge years with Eugene Melnick, most people have grown up in Ottawa. They don't even know what normal is. They don't know what it's like to basically have a functioning organization. You know, there were lots of great things during the series Alito time and Brian Murray, but just the overall chaos behind the scenes. Absolutely. So I certainly think that's where it's headed. And unfortunately, the conclusion of today and how it happened, but it will be for the best of the organization going forward. I, I totally agree. I think this is good news for the organization. Like I said, I yeah. don't want anybody to lose their job. And for no, both of us God, to have no. gone through that, that's yeah, not yeah. at all enjoyable. And and to do it publicly, not fun. So no, exactly. Uh, yeah. Please understand that. Uh so are you gonna are you gonna maybe interview for the gm job <laughs> yeah good luck on that yeah <laughs> yeah i think after 15 years of being out of it won't end up happening on that side it was fun a few years ago to interview for the assistant gm job but now i'm just sitting yeah. back and uh enjoying it and like i said i was i was that was a funny part about tsn i was like now we're finally going to get to the good years after all these years yes. and I was so fortunate working for JR and to kind of be allowed me to be myself and, and to be accurate. And I was like, okay, now we're finally going to get to the next level here and this is going to be fun. So like I said, it'll be a different Avenue. It's a different world out there, but as you know, Hey, we all have to readjust. Everything's kind of shifting along. And uh, I do think that, like I said, this isn't one of those super damaging things, you know, to me, you know, Hey, you've got a great new owner. You've got so many good things happen with the organization in a crazy way, Wally, this is really a benefit. It's just unfortunate it comes at the cost of a first-round pick. Well, that, and we all talked, like, we expected there to be change whenever there's an ownership group comes in. We thought, yeah, yeah, there's a good chance that there was going to be a different voice as a general manager. It's just yeah. disappointing of how it unfolded and that it came down yeah. to something which I believe uh, Mr. Anlauer called avoidable circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And and like I said, I, I guess the bigger part is I just can't imagine with all the things that happen when you're buying a team for a crazy amount at 950 million US dollars that all of a sudden, like the Pinto thing, those things, again, we've covered off on Wally. They can happen anytime. Guy gets a DUI, guy gets into trouble. Sometimes there's domestic issues. Things go down. Okay. You can't control that. But to have gone through this entire process and think yeah. that this, uh, and I don't believe that this just happened in the last 30 days. But to not be privy of it before you were going through the negotiation and then buying the hockey team, I find that a little bit strange. I, I'd be a little, that's where I'd be disappointed if I'm ownership. I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I would have loved to have known this when I was buying the franchise to at least be prepared for it and understanding I, I'm losing a major, major asset here when I'm also paying just an absolute top price for a Canadian hockey team. Yeah, I I, I got to feel like he knew this. They didn't yeah. know, I guess. Or yeah. Maybe he was reassured that it wasn't a big deal. I, I right? guess. Just, but like I, I said, guess. the idea that you'd go back and try to work with Bettman to kind of bring the pedally down, 
um, kind of yeah. makes you wonder, Wally, as to that, you know, you weren't really prepped for it at the same time. Uh, I totally agree with you. As there's always, there's, I guess, two sides. And, well, three sides. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, one more, uh, a couple bills to pay. Uh, Simmer, yeah. stay with me for a sec. No uh, problem, brother. <laughs> this show being delivered to you today by DoorDash. Uh, ordering is just easy. You open the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with our default contactless uh, delivery setting. Uh, for a limited time, our listeners get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's all uppercase letters. That's 25% off your $10 value and a zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store. Enter code NATION25. Don't forget, code NATION25 on your first order with the DoorDash app. Uh, offer valid in Canada, subject to change and terms apply. Also, by Wendy's. Uh, if you haven't gone yet, go to dailyfaceoff.com for the new Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool. Uh, get set in on all the action, win tons of prizes. Wendy's is offering all season long with the Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool, including Wendy's new addition to their all-star burger lineup, uh, the very real barbecue bacon cheeseburger. Enjoy the applewood smoked bacon and crispy onions and cheese melts uh, over the fresh, never frozen Canadian <laughs> beef, Simmer. Uh, Come on, you're going to have to do double duty yeah. at the gym if you're throwing that bad boy down. Right? Uh, you know what? Yeah, it's a good thing that the camera only shoots uh, from like the uh, chest up. Yeah, exactly. That's, camera adds, well, you know what? It adds 20 pounds when you're doing uh, these shows nowadays, it feels like. Um, so, Simmer, do we, okay, uh, this is, I'm not calling for DJ's head. What do we do with the yeah. coaching staff? Um, well, I, as I said, Wally, I don't, you know, again, you're, you're analyzing the, the one thing I don't like, I'll be honest with you in the national yeah. hockey league or other circumstance of if you were preparing to own this hockey team and you're Ann Lauer and one of the ownership groups I talked to, they're like, you know, I'm a big hockey fan and, uh, you know, but when you understand Ann Lauer, he actually knows how the player's skates are sharpened. He's so in love with the game. And I actually asked him, I did, you ever watch the, uh, the documentary on uh, Sunderland, Sunderland till we die. Oh, so and it good. talked it just talked about owners and certain people being so passionate that you kind of go to the next line there on how you're handling certain situations. How do you end up looking at something like this in a sense of my point being, he would have been following the auto centers very closely for a long time. You're talking to people within the industry. If they have Peter Shirelli or Steve Steos, you should be gathering enough information. Wally, my summary being you don't let another season go by. And like I said, for the Ottawa Senators, they have entered their window to be competitive for a playoff team. And as you know, it opens, and I'm not saying they're a Stanley Cup contender, but you basically have this window now for about five years. Do you have the coach in place that you think is capable of taking into the playoffs in the Stanley Cup? And if you don't, you make a change. You don't throw away another season or have a bad November. And I was looking at the calculation today. I think they play 17 games in the first 50 days. And then after that, it's 65 games in four and a half months. Don't throw another season if you don't think this is a coaching staff. So I understand the patience and the assessment, Wally, but you also don't want another season to go, well, we wanted to see how it was. And no, if you don't right. think this is a guy at whatever point or you start to lose some hockey games, make a change. And that's, I, I guess that's the thing when we say, oh, they're 500 for October, that's not a bad record. But when you've seen it now for five straight years, you'd start to go, well, we need a little bit more here because one, they're playing all these home games, 13 and yeah, 19. For sure. Yeah. And so, and then they're going to Sweden, all that stuff. They've yeah. got to, they should be doing, and I know it's eight games, but they, yeah. they don't instill in us that they're going to tear this apart here anytime soon. I, as well, in I, win a bunch of yeah. games, but they, I guess I, they could. I, I, 
Well, I'll say this, so Wally, the trends are better. And I know last year, I think they started, what, five and two, then it kind of went sideways. You had the Norris injury. Yep. I got to be honest with you, outside of, I don't remember if it was the Islander game, whatever game it is, first periods and starts have been great this year. It's yes. not something we've seen in the past. If you were to ask me, what's my assessment of the hockey team eight games in compared to the previous six years, it's much better. I have a better confidence level that this is sustainable what you ask yourself, though, and this is part of a lot of the young players, Claude Drew has been on a winning hockey team. Tarasenko has been on a winning hockey team. I can't, you can, Matthew Joseph is kind of touch and go, Wally. Of all your young players, and it's no fault of the vets like Hammond, you've brought in a lot of guys that have never been in a winning culture. Even Debrinkit when he came over to Kubelik, to everything else you're going through this roster is part of the mentality along with the coaching staff is there that sense of urgency? Is there that ability to take it to the next level? We see little flashes in games where they look like the centers of a year ago. So would a go different coaching staff bring in a different mindset? To me, that's certainly debatable. And that's what I would per personally do. But as far as the way they played through the first eight games, I take a lot of positives from it. I just wonder if the internal mentality is good enough. And sometimes that does come with a kick in the ass and a shift in a coach. I do appreciate Can't Control Life in our YouTube comments who said Kish Sen should call in sick to Sweden. I appreciate the humor. Yeah. And, and that's the <laughs> other thing. And I, I don't know, I I've got it. And again, these trips, and I say this so much Wally of being a scout or a management person. And what you do when you go over to Sweden is you basically go to a hockey game, come back, drink a lot of beer. You wait until about 6 a.m. and you get the biggest breakfast you've ever had. And then you sleep the whole day because you're a scout and nobody cares. These adjustments on these trips I have no idea why they signed up for this. I, I really don't. You're trying to get off to a good start. There's nothing positive. And when I heard at the time, they're trying to grow the brand. I'm like, who the F cares about the Ottawa Senators outside of the Ottawa Valley? And first of all, you're trying to sell out your old building and you're trying to regrow your brand yes. here. Who the hell planned this leisure trip to go back? You don't even have any good Swedes on your team anymore. I, I honestly don't. I, I just was shaking my head when that that's not an obstacle that you need to go to Sweden in the darkness of November and, and be there for a week. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. I understand they feel like they're marketing and they're going to grow their oh. brand outside of, but oh my God, <laughs> if you sell 10 more sends jerseys, does that really matter? Oh, but, if you, but, you if know, you're still, if you don't yeah. win in the national hockey league, no, you, you become irrelevant. No, and, and can, can a Stutzla become a bit of a, you know, a, a darling? Okay, I had traveled to Europe starting in about 94, and at that time it would have been all Detroit, or all Pittsburgh, sorry. Then it transitioned to Detroit, went to Colorado, and then it kind of went into different phases. What is yeah. it trailed by? It's trailed by who's winning the Stanley Cup, probably Vegas. All of a sudden going over there, even Eric Carlson and Alfie, they don't move the needle. It's all about what is the face of the National Hockey League, and it's fun, it's everything else. Now, if you brought Stutzla to Germany, is that a bit of a thing? Maybe, but even at that, Wally, like I said, you didn't know it needed to go down that path. It's unsettling, and we saw from when the Duchesne trade was made, the couple of games there, lots of other factors involved. I just don't understand why, once you get to the end of November here and your schedule gets crazy, why even chance it at the time? Didn't make a whole lot of sense. No, no, and I mean they do have the they went through it already in 2017. They kind of understand yeah. it. And on top oh, of yeah. that, and in same back in 2007 and on top of that, these the NHL went to Australia this year 
Did yeah. anybody pay attention whatsoever? <laughs> no. I, I mean, the outdoor game the other day, other than the family skate, which I love, uh, other than just checking out the uniforms, which weren't too bad, Wally, nobody yeah, cares. Like and when you're at the game, you don't even care because you can't see what's going on. But it's also a nice regional event. I totally understand that part of it. But yeah, yeah, this doesn't make a dent anywhere. And going to Stockholm, Sweden and playing the Globin and playing a couple of games, uh, no, it doesn't grow the game. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense from the auto center's perspective. And you should have just been basically, hey, this is a really important year. Sense of urgency here. Players are here yes. a month early. Everybody's in place other than Pinto. Let's get ready to rock and roll here. You did not need this in the middle of November. I completely agree with you. I, it's just interesting to see. Like, I remember we went to the Heritage Classic in Vancouver when Ottawa played played yeah. Vancouver because they, they felt like there were the two last Canadian teams that hadn't played one, so let's make one. And they stuck yeah. it in BC place. Yeah. Nobody cared. Nobody yeah. cared. Yeah, John Tortorella, the that's the one he yeah. sat Loretta Luongo on the bench for. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And and the one here in Ottawa was awesome. I, I mean, I thought it was really cool. I mean, it was freezing cold. And as far as Ottawa, now that was also overshadowed by Eugene oh Melnick and your great interview. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it's still as far <laughs> as a spectacle. It's like, okay, kind of a one-off, just like to say you were at a great cup, but in, in necessary too. And the Ottawa Centre still, from a, from a crowd standpoint, you know, certainly you look at the economy, unfortunately, we're at it, it. You know, it's not an easy job right now uh, to sell out those buildings, to play the to, to do that. So, like I said, and also I'll say this, and I, I don't want to give parting shots because I have so much respect for Pierre Dorian's late father. Such a good mm -hmm. man, was a scout for the Toronto Maple Leafs when he passed away. The other thing I got a sense of last year, Wally, is almost like Pierre Dorian was trying to clean up the office. And it was almost like if I clean up the office and scrub everything down, that when the new owner comes in, and this goes back to the Zaitsev trade, and I do like the chicken move, but it was almost like, okay, I'm going to send Matt Murray off, still paying him. Bought out Bobby Ryan, that's a long time ago. Bought out Del Zotto, bought out uh, White. Now all of a sudden I'm going to end up making a move like that, getting rid of Zaitsev for all these picks instead of letting him finish out his contract to bring in Chikorin. Now I'm going to tell them when they come in, look at how look at how spruce, look at how good everything is. Look at my plants and my office and everything's clean. And then you start to look and do a bit of a deep, and this has nothing to do with the Dadnoff situation, but the amount of picks that have been given away and where you are at as an organization, already feeling the squeeze of the salary cap, Wally. And with a system right now that quite simply, well, Clevin's up. I mean, you realistically don't have a blue chip prospect in Belleville or in the system at this point if you're the Ottawa Centers. And now they've graduated some great players. But that certainly puts you in a real tough spot going forward. And thank God that the cap's going up. But it really does as you look to next summer without a pick going forward as well. Interesting stuff, Simmer. Uh, I've I've enjoyed the chat immensely. Yeah. Uh, and we should get back to playing golf someday. Uh, Absolutely, that brother. Was, that was one of my uh, favorite times was that with the, uh, yeah. on the course with you. So uh, good luck launching Monday. It's Simmer Down. Yeah. Uh, I hope uh, all goes well. It's a... Uh, it can be rewarding. It can be a grind oh, yeah. and it can be all that stuff in the middle. So yeah. Uh, and that's a nice part having to through yourself and other people while you totally understand, Hey, lots of work ahead, but I, I'll say therapeutically just being on with you and you know, talk and shop with other people. You, I forgot myself that I kind of turned into a broadcaster as much as I love hockey. I'd kind of forgotten how much I just enjoyed chatting. So yeah, it's well, certainly yes. uh, been some good therapy and it is a lot of fun and great to see how well your show's doing. And I know you're used to, talking for uh, i think four hours a day or is it three hours exactly a day? no four hours it's, a day yeah but for me uh it was more enjoyable because i got to sit down with people for an hour and have a chat yeah. as opposed to the two and a half minutes or 90 oh god seconds. yeah yeah so yeah it's, it's a whole world different world eh? 
Yeah. yeah. And you can also show your personality, right? I mean, when you're interviewing all the time, you don't have that chance. And when you get on and you're having fun and you guys have a great dynamic with yourself and Jason and Bobby, it just brings out something so different. And yeah, for myself, like I said, and I'd forgotten just to, to, to be there to chat and to do some different things. And like I said, even mentally, and it's also funny because once I'm kind of done that, I don't want to talk the rest of the day, but you know, for a while, it's it was true. just nice to, it was just nice to be quiet and kind of heal. And then you get to that right moment and you never know when it's going to be, but then you're like, you know what? Time to get back at her. And that's right. I, and then we weren't going to, I guess, I don't want to talk to you too long is no, 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 for sure. Um, it's all good. It's like, I, I, for me, it was like a death yeah. losing that job that you had I, for me was because suddenly all those people that you talk to every day. Oh God. Yeah. You don't talk to them anymore. Right. No, for, yeah. for a number yeah. of reasons. For one, it's uncomfortable oh, yeah. for them. Nobody yeah. wants to yeah. talk shop. So yeah, I, yeah. I, like all that stuff. Um, yeah, it it becomes tough. Like you, it just yeah. I don't. How and long he, was it after did you take anything that labeled TSN out of your house? Oh, I I didn't have anything, so I oh. I don't really it was it did it, 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 like yourself is different with the TV branding and stuff. So and then, like I said, the awkward for for myself go back to when we talked at the beginning of the show was I loved what I was doing. Working with JR and Hammer was like a dream job. So it was just disappointment. I wasn't mad at anybody and anybody that followed the industry. I kind of understood it couldn't end up coming at some point. So it was just a mixed feeling. But to your point and and nice for me, I've gone through this work in the NHL. I didn't expect, like, I wasn't checking a list of who checked in with me. Do you know what I mean? I didn't, anybody that did, it was awesome. And then I have the people around me that really matter. I knew what that was all about. But, and I say this, and it's unfortunate because I'd say it to Mira all the time. The unfortunate reality of working in hockey, playing hockey and working in media, it job becomes your life and your identity. Mm -hmm. And whether you want to, you know, you're Wally from TV. And when you're not on TV anymore, you know, it's a different thing. And that, that that's what we sign up for. But that is the reality. And as you said, it, it's hard for people to kind of walk up and not sure what to really say with you. In this case was different in that I didn't feel bad. I don't feel embarrassed. I'm just sad. And, and that's a different emotion than I kind of felt before yeah. where I wanted to hide based on that. You're talking about the phone calls. I can still remember the people who reached out on the first day right away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because there were surprises. Yeah. So like there was a few people I'm like who became who helped me immensely that yeah. I didn't see coming. And yeah. so, um, and I've never forgotten that. So to those people, yeah. I will do yeah. anything they ever ask of me yeah. ever again. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's so funny when you say that, cause a couple of things, one on a professional side, but I remember when I got divorced, there was one couple, I lived in Rhode Island that were so kind to me and, and our kids played hockey, but there was no real reason. And you just realize there's a couple of things in people. There's just good people out there. And I can honestly say that I'm not that above and beyond necessarily, but when it comes to friends and then the other part, and, and this is God, when I'll just use a hockey example, Jimmy Montgomery, we got let go from Dallas. I was in touch with him right away. I don't care what you did. I don't care why you got fired. I've been there. And you really understand that. I also don't expect anything from him going forward, but just for a lot of people that have, you know, walked in your shoes, people right away get it. They, they understand the incredible pain. And then, you know, there are the Ian Mendez of the world and like that, that, you know, they haven't gone through it, but they're just good people, you know, and that, that and that's yep. what you really find out at the end of the day. Yeah. I like, so for that one reason, I knew I needed to call you that day to go listen. Yeah. Yeah. The best yeah. phone call I got was, do you yeah. have a good lawyer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, exactly. I like, yeah. I yeah. need to make sure you guys oh, are yeah. taken care of. 
Yeah, anyway. for sure. You know, and that, that's a, like I said, it's a, and then the other part too, is it, it's also just understanding the industry's reshifting, right? You know, it wasn't a circumstance necessarily of, you know, they're building bigger and better and they're making millions of dollars and nope. how could they possibly let me go? You know, you understand that it's shifting and changing and, you know, uh, lots of good things can come from that and the way it's adapted in the United States. And I have no doubt that that'll follow suit in Canada and as to what shape that takes or what form, it's not like the interest in hockey has gone away. Just a question nope. of how people are going to, uh, you know, both, I guess, gather the information and how people are going to make a living at the same time. And in this market, the interest has gone up drastically. Like our, I think our views over the last year, because yesterday was our one year anniversary of coming in hot. We're up 107 yeah. percent, I think, from the year yeah. before something. Yeah. So there's huge interest in this market for this yeah. for this team and for to consume the information. So we're yeah. all going to make Pat McAfee money soon. You're, uh, so. Oh, exactly. I got it. We got to get the t-shirts going too. I actually, I, it was funny because for, for since COVID or even when I worked with Ian, I used to stand, but then during COVID I had to go into kind of a smaller studio. So I've stood for years. So I'm going to do that at some point. I'm certainly not going to go with the t-shirt, um, but, but you're right. All the, all the changes yeah. that are happening on that and how it'll end up adapting to everybody and, you know, just how they ultimately consume it. And then the other part, well, I'm sure you're the same. And, you know, Mira's boys are in their teens, you know, the way that Zach and Maddie consume things is a learning curve for me. You know, I, I remember the first time Maddie was watching somebody play video on TV. I'm like, what in God's name? And then I think one of them, they didn't end up saying, but I heard that phrase of why would you watch somebody tear down a house and rebuild it? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. well, that's a pretty good point. Actually. I don't know why. <laughs> Seems to make sense. Uh, yeah. So it just, it, it just really is adapting to trying to like, we, we grew up, I grew up listening to AM radio and FM radio. Well, that's obviously not the case anymore. Yeah. It always makes me laugh. My daughter watches videos on her phone with yeah. closed captioning on. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, everybody does. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I know. are you, what are you, are you listening to it? Oh, I know. Uh, I can't even see what's on my phone, let alone try to, to watch it. Right. Yeah. I need I, them. I need the monster TV, maybe some glasses, <laughs> uh, but, but, and also to your point, and, and this is and an it's short term and it shouldn't take away Wally, but it was embarrassing to be a Sens fan for a long time. Right. And you go back yeah. to the, the, the real low points of even as simple as that run in 2017 was marked by Don Cherry calling out Ottawa for not selling out. Right. I mean, that was a big deal. And it was just mm -hmm. so long back to the Toronto series, back to everything that happened. Finally, we were proud. And I don't think in this particular case, the Pinto situation, and even with Pierre Dorian, it's nothing to be ashamed of, but there's still that part of, and I go back to the losing mentality. There's still part of it for a Sens fan. It's kicking the balls. Like it's a kick in the balls and you just get, it brings back all those bad emotions but I do think, and again, in the silver lining of this, it will be a positive. You do move forward with it. And there's just too much going on, too much to be excited yeah. about. But unfortunately, you're also, and I, not that they wouldn't have been big anyway, but Ottawa was back on the radar. And when you're back on the radar, you're going to be a target. And when Shane Pindle's on the lead of Fox News or now with right. the Dorian situation, it is magnified. It's almost like the year they went to the finals and Eric Carlson's being talked about. You know, if you want exposure, that's one thing, but recognize there there's also now people are talking about the Ottawa senators and that's going to magnify anything negative at the same time. It is, but you just get tired of the headlines. So oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and Michael Andlauer is a very quiet, right? Like yeah. he's not a very boisterous, not in your face kind of owner. He wants no. just a well-run organization. Oh, for sure. No drama. But hey, what, welcome to owning a hockey team in Canada. You know, it's maybe, just different. Maybe, yeah. You know, Every team I mean, has their it, issues. 
if this happens in Dallas or something else happens, you know, hey, well, now what's happening to the right guard with the Dallas Cowboys? Let's move on to the other news. Um, you know, it is Canada yes. and it, it is a different animal and the passion is exactly what you're asking for. And like I said, it won't affect the brand any. And Shane Pinto will come in and play great hockey for the Ottawa Centre for a long time to come. And they're going to hire good people and they'll be in good hands. And like I said, still good days ahead. And these are neither situation that I don't care who the owner is or what the circumstance was. There's zero they could have done other than, like I said, and we'll maybe we'll find out, Wally, but that would be disappointing to me. And, and in talking to people through the ownership process, because I got no rush on time, Wally, right now, the part I've got to say is what a gong show that whole thing was. God forbid if somebody knew about this investigation and actually held it away from Anlauer and tried to buy the franchise. That, that, that to me would be a little bit unsettling. So um, this is in the chat. So, and I, I apologize if, but Senator who has, yeah. watches mostly all of our shows said Anlauer yeah. on NHL, not informing him about Pinto or Dadnoff situation before closing deal quote, maybe they didn't want to disrupt brackets, disrupt it to make sure that the seller got the best price possible. That's... Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, well, again, I don't know. I'd sure like to, I, I'd like to think not, you know, and again, Pinto, I don't get the sense with Pinto. I, I think this thing came down the pipe pretty quickly, Wally, yes. but an investigation 18 months later, boy, oh boy, that'd be really disappointing. And now I don't know legally, and this would be the part of, there's no doubt well, I shouldn't say no doubt. I kind of assume that the Sens board would have known about this. I assume that you're basically the National Hockey League calls and lets you know you're under investigation, but I can't even confirm that, Wally. I, I don't know if it's cons completely private. I, I don't know how it's handled behind the scenes, but it does certainly from Anlauer's standpoint, if someone was aware of it from the board side and that was not relayed to the person buying, because I, would that affect the price on it? Here's a couple of things. And this is what, you know, and again, when I talked to the ownership group that had backed out at the lot and said, listen, this is too much BS. We've agreed on a price. They came back, asked him for a bunch of other things. They said, forget it. That Monday after the Canadian Open, Anlauer was the last man standing. They agreed to it. And I remember saying to people, listen, you got to understand this has been a bit rushed. They're like, what do you mean rush? It's been going on. No. Ann Lauer, basically from what I understood, and I'm sure you had the same, said, listen, either take my offer or leave it. That leverage then usually goes to the buyer. Well, if the buyer is then presented with the fact of the NHL may take a first round pick away from you, that would be quite a bit of leverage, both in finances and negativity, that that may sway the price of the franchise. So that, that, that in itself would be a really interesting topic behind the scenes. You know what I mean? So uh, Frank Cervelli tweeted, Michael Andlauer says the NHL did not advise him of either investigation, botched Adnoff wow. no trade clause or Pinto sports betting incident before he closed on purchase. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, like I said, I don't know on the Pinto one and the timeline. I, I don't know how that played out. Um, I don't even well, really understand. Because Pinto was here. Do you remember? Like he skated. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And then, and, and and that then had to be a meet. No, that had to be a meeting with Ottawa, though, was it not? Didn't you think, or was, or do you think all of a sudden it came up and then he left town? Well, I, I think they knew. So I don't know. I kind of took it as like what when he said he was leaving town because there was too much publicity or too much pressure. No. I thought, oh, he, he was supposed to skate the next day and didn't. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it was like he was here and gone really quick. Now, yeah. I might be wrong, and maybe he had a flight schedule, but I was told that he was going to skate the following day. Yeah. What, what's also up. interesting, Wally, when you talk about these investigations and had this a little bit more on the player side, what's very unique with the National Hockey League, and it's more on discipline, but I'll say this from it doesn't happen very often. 
but this would be a normal circumstance if all the parties that were involved at that trade deadline or in the summer trade sorry were still with ottawa they would have obviously been interviewed there would be a red flag that would go to ottawa there is no way no way in the world that the national hockey league did not inter interview pierre dorian in this process no way right correct would you agree i would agree that, like, like and so so how how does that come up and you go back to the initial situation now that has had a person lose their job and a first round pick and you say to yourself okay if he was then interviewed why did he not notify anybody i mean just think about that circumstance there's no way that you would have concluded an investigation and to that I mentioned Pierre Maguire, mentioned Mann, I mentioned uh, Peter McTavish. All speculation on my part, but if you got their testimony along with Kelly McCrimmon in Vegas, now all of a sudden you interview Pierre Dorian, that's just absolutely shocking. And this is the other part you say as far as accountability. You at that point fall on your sword and go to your boss and say, listen, this is what's going on with the National Hockey League. You don't try to sweep this under the rug. No, no, and... uh I'm going to go back to the Ann Lauer thing for a second. I got a question about Pierre yeah. Dorian in a sec. Uh, but yeah, uh, Cervelli again, Sen's owner Michael Landlauer says he met with GM Pierre Dorian last night and said the penalty for forfeiture of a of pick should be quote no less unquote than his job. Uh, quote this could have been avoided. So yeah, my question for you is, if this was the only incident for Pierre Dorian, would he still have his job today? Um, no, 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 not a chance, Wally. Yeah, like I said, this would be, I don't even want to equate it to the criminal code, but you cross the line that you could have won five Stanley Cups and you would have been fired. You know, this yeah. goes back to, you've crossed the line with the other 31 general managers. You don't have any trust within the National Hockey League. You flat out lied in a conference call on a trade in a circumstance here. They've obviously found that. No, that that's, they, they wouldn't, I, I, I'd be shocked if I don't care if Bill Belichick or something like that. Now that could be a bit different. You know what I mean? No, you, yeah. you, you've crossed such a substantial line that even if this thing was just all, because I, I'll also say that, you know, you can make some arguments based on the, what's on, on the ice right now and kind of where the project is at that, Hey, come in and support them and build it up that you wouldn't have to look at some of the other things that maybe even they're not privy of that we know haven't covered the team, but a circumstance like this and something as big as this and you've also sent out notice to the rest of the hockey world and sports world of integrity being absolutely compromised. So no, you lose your job no matter what. Yeah, uh, it completely makes sense. So I'm just curious if there was a way, but um, it comes down to like what GM is going to trust them. Now, a question I have for you, because you've been on trade yeah. calls. It's recorded, correct? They generally record them, Wally, and there's usually some written kind of notes on it and everything. But yeah, they are recorded. Now, I, I, this would be interesting, though. Um, when I say they're recorded, I, I don't know if there's a database for it. That's quite interesting. What there are, though, and this is you're talking about pretty, it's pretty intense in a good way, right? Like I think about certain circumstances when I go back to working trade deadlines and working drafts. Hmm. Your antenna, and, and I'm sure you're the same when you went on TV, Wally. Like your awareness of what's going on and the circumstance around you, at least in what you're doing, are so focused, right? Like I can remember certain conversations from 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Well, I think they're verbatim. Maybe I'm completely lost. <laughs> but you understand when you go in to do a trade call, you're sitting there. Vegas is on the phone. The league's on the phone. You're on the phone. Your recall or ability to recall what goes on in a circumstance like that is, is pretty spot on. And like I said, just the side that I heard, the most bizarre portion of this was the fact that Pierre Dorian took the, that call by himself. 
that that never happens, Wally. Like well, Peter McTavish, that would have raised a red flag for Peter McTavish as to, okay, I'm probably the one that did the contract. I'm probably the one that updated, you know, the no trade list. And was there a paper trail to it? But that would have been a real weird circumstance. I don't recall there ever any trade I was involved in in Washington or Toronto that there weren't less than two, if not as many as four people in the room. Really? Okay. So I did ask someone who worked in the organization with trades before with the sense. Yeah. And I, because when I heard about him being the only one on the call, I thought that was odd. Yeah. And I asked if it was odd for Ottawa, because I wasn't asking about anybody else to only have one person on the trade call. And they said, no. Okay. Wow. Uh, that's, that's, so, that's really, uh, I never heard of that. Cause as I say, generally the assistant general manager is a contract person, right? They're really the person that are supposed to have all the details. So I don't, yeah, that, that is strange Wally, but very factual. So if that's the trend, then yeah. Um, I don't but change it any, right? but, but it is strange. You know what I mean? And, and that kind of also speaks to whatever trust level you may have as a general manager in not having, like you technically always would want to have your right hand man around to also be a witness to the other side. You know, but that, like what but if that this goes a, to Pierre? Pierre yeah, exactly. But, but it, it, yeah, if this was reversed and all of a sudden Vegas is coming after you, you actually have no witness to it. You know, that that that's know. that I could say very, very strange. Yeah, I, I just I feel like it was the Pierre. Pierre always wanted to control everything. And so maybe that's he just wanted that to be the way for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, for sure, for sure. The day ends, unfortunately, uh, for Pierre Dorian to lose his job. Uh, we will see now what they do and how they go about finding the new general manager of the Ottawa Senators who will look to guide this team to perhaps a playoff berth and a Stanley Cup yeah. final berth here in the not too distant future. So, yeah, uh, and the other one, Wally, I'll just say, for, yeah, from a name standpoint, uh, Darsh's name was mentioned in the summer as well. Um, yep. And, you know, the in season part of it, um, generally, and a good organization like Tampa, be pretty shocked if they hold anybody back. You know, that was the Ottawa one, right? Where one Eugene Melnick, I was told, first of all, didn't want anybody to interview that was even under contract, but people that can elevate themselves. You go back to Jack Capuano's situation. But in this particular case with Matthew Darsh, if there's an elevation or an opportunity for any assistant GM out there, I would be shocked if any organization at this point would hold them back. They're, they're not, they're, you know, they, there's not much so, going on right now for running the team. If you're going to get elevated to a general manager's job, first of all, you should have the ability to interview. And secondly, you should give them the chance to have that job. Okay. Do you, all right, fair enough. Uh, and I like Matthew Darsh. We go way back. I covered him as a reporter okay. when he played for the McGill Redmond. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so we've, we've known each other for years. But my question yeah. is, does Ottawa need, a first-year GM or a seasoned veteran. We'll go like Peter Shirelli or Matthew Darsh. Yeah. Like, what is oh, the I best go, fit I, for oh, Ottawa? You, you need a seasoned guy. I, I mean, and this is part of Wally. You know, I'll go back to 1997. Uh, I had an assistant GM job in Washington, assistant GM job in Nashville, GM job in the IHL. I was the hot new item. I didn't even know what I was doing. <laughs> um, you know, and th I, I keep saying this all the time with people. I've said it with um, DJ Smith. I said it when Kyle Dubas got the job. It takes a long time to learn. Now, Steve Stales has worked one year in the National Hockey League. He might be great friends with Ann Lauer, might have done a great job in the Ontario Hockey League. It's not the NHL. Do they need an experienced person along with him right now? Absolutely. And to that point, Peter Shirelli, to me, would bring exactly that. The fact it's a two-headed monster, the fact that it's a good situation, good organization, and not all the politics going on. Not only that, and I'll say that from the coaching standpoint, because Jay McKee is a name that I pointed out in the past of uh, a relationship with Ann Lauer. If he said between him and 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 uh, Claude Julian, well, I'd take Claude Julian all day long. 
And people are like, why do they always recycle these coaches? And, well, go back through who wins Stanley Cups most of the time. It's usually Joel Quenville who's won. Mo now, you look at the situation in Tampa Bay, a little bit different. But overall, Bruce Cassidy's on to his third job, won a cup. That's what happens with experience in life. And people, a lot of times, just want somebody that has no experience. So, yeah, I go experience all the way uh, with a Shirelli-Julian uh, combination. I, I I don't really disagree with you. Um, I, I think that they need, finally, the people that have been experienced enough to lead these teams to where they already know they need to get to. So. And you also, I'll say this, and, and this is, I find the parallels, Wally, so incredibly similar to when Jacques Martin came in and you had Pierre Gauthier rearrange the furniture. There are so many fine details and teaching that need to go on on the ice with this hockey club right now. Thomas Shabbat being example one, Jake ba Drake Batherson certainly two, but you can go through Stutzla, a number of players there that could absolutely use what Jacques Martin came in and didn't drastically alter the roster, made a few changes, but he brought structure to it. And that's still something the Ottawa centers can use. And that's certainly something that Claude Julien could end up doing. I would like to see Jacques Martin back behind the bench of the Ottawa yeah, centers. Yeah. I'm I don't have a lie. problem with that either. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't care if he's a hundred years old. I mean, I don't know what age Brian was when he took him to the final, but nope, Jacques's a very bright man. It, it, the real key Wally. And, and this is, I say a bit of fault of Ottawa as well. I can't believe they haven't switched out the assistants by now, but when you're also going to, as a top flight organization, finding great people, finding a former defenseman to coach your defense, finding one of the best in the business from the special teams and somebody that complements what the coach is not great with that. That's really all. I mean, I've known Craig Bruby for years and never thought he'd be in a head coach in the national hockey league, but he got in the right circumstance. They supported him with the right people and he won a Stanley cup. Yep. Yep. It's all about the right people in the right spots. Exactly. Um, which, which is where we think you'll be on your show on Monday. So, uh, <laughs> all right, Simmer, I appreciate you stopping by. Uh, I, I think the world of you. So take care, and I will. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you. We'll talk soon. Absolutely, great to catch up, brother. Thanks, Thanks for having everybody. me on. Take care. Coming in hot is brought to you by Botano.ca. Please hit that like button and subscribe to our channel to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.